that that people like your videos. So anyway, uh, are are not your videos, but uh, your happy your happy faces is, is marvelous. We need more happy faces on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, the first thing that we were talking about is how organizations make things more difficult than they could be for the clients because they really don't want to give the services that they're employed to give because it's too much work. So that gives us as clients the added, um, let us say, um, job to do is not only to jump through the hoops that they want us to jump through, but to do it happily, that we can see this almost as a workout and we're going to the gym. Instead of the employment office, we're going to the gym. And when we go to the gym with the mentality is, is that I'm going to build up these muscles even if they get a little bit tired while I'm doing it. Okay, so we can think of going into the employment office that way also that this is just something okay i can handle this too yeah i can go to the gym and i can work out mm -hmm. i can do some heavy lifting if you can lift up and then enjoy carrying around the employment agency then you're getting pretty strong yeah okay and so then the attitude then is, is that no, it's really a lot of work and I would rather feel good than go through the process of, do, of jumping through their hoops and doing all the stuff that they want and I can do without the money, mm -hmm. right? Well, basically the, the point is, is that if uh, according to the government system, you're entitled to that, and um, that uh, you would want to be uh, abiding by the correct procedure, even though the workers at the in, uh, unemployment office, it's still absolutely okay for you to get the benefits that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, that in fact, that will assist the holy life. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, uh, we can say, all right, maybe we can find a way so that I can have both the good feelings and the benefits of the unemployment, mm -hmm. rather than trying to make a choice between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's kind of like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. And so now let's say, how do we actually begin to do that? And the answer is, of course, that you uh, uh, brought the point up, is, is that it is the feelings of annoyance or the feelings of not liking that bring up the rage, mm -hmm. especially if we have uh, had rage in our past, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if we've gotten angry and, and sometimes when we get angry, we get our way and then we remember that. So now we get a click. OK, it's OK to get angry because I get my way when I get angry. Guess what? Not at the employment office. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and, and knowing that there's no advantage in being angry at the employment office 
we need to become mindful. And now what are we mindful of or what is our intended object is to watch out for these little annoyances that start. Watch out for uh, the I don't like it. Okay, so when they hand you the document back and says you didn't fill this part out, you can say, oh, thank you for pointing that out to me. <laughs> I actually uh, did that. I'm really happy. Uh, I did that, and I thanked him, <laughs> too. <laughs> yes. All right, so but, see, you're already underway. But, but I was... I, but I he did not, get you down finally, I bet. <laughs> he found a way. <laughs> I may not have been too happy about it, actually, really, but I tried to. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, when we recognize that if we are um, mindless at that point of contact, when that annoyance arises, it will go the way that it has always gone, which is by habit. Some people will slink off saying, oh, poor me. I didn't deserve it anyway. Okay, but that's their style. What mm -hmm. I mean by style, that's their habit or that's the way that they've done things before. Mm -hmm. But you have an element of rage. But there is a references, by the way, in the sutta that uh, the people who have an angry mentality, and those who have an intellectual mentality are very, very bound close together. Uh -huh. Because the one who is angry can already see things, and they see that they need to be fixed. So there's a certain amount of intelligence that comes along with people who have anger issues. Okay. Okay, because you can see what's going on, and the guy who slinks away he just thinks it's all his fault. Mm -hmm. And he's not able to see things clearly, you see. But us angry folks, we can see that they did it to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and that, but with compassion, we can begin to see why. Mm -hmm. That on, on one occasion, at one time, I began to think that the one officer at uh, the immigration office that I went to uh, didn't like me. But then I quickly figured out, no, what it is is that she knows me and she knows that I've got a retirement visa, which is at least 20 pages of paper that she's got to sort through, verify and make sure are accurate before she gets her boss to look at it. Oh. So when she sees me, she's not looking at me. It's not me she hates. It's the fact that when she sees me, I'm bringing her a whole lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> and when I figured that out, then I didn't have to feel like that she didn't like me and I have to, to deal with that. I understand directly. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to do everything I can to make her job easy for her mm -hmm. before uh, I get up to the desk because before I would see her huffing and puffing and shuffling papers around and all of that kind of stuff. And that's because I didn't really understand that she has to put them in a certain order. Mm. And so when I understood that, then I found out what that order was. And now I, I would present her the documents in the order that she would prefer and that, that kind of thing. Okay, so basically what we're looking at is how to see things with compassion. Begin to look at how the uh, um, the officers in the unemployment office 
what their routines, what their expectations, and all of that kind of stuff, so that you can make their job as easy as you can. Because by doing so, um, you make every you make your life and theirs easier too. Yeah. This is the this is the aspect of compassion. But if they see all the work that you brought them to do and have the compassion of getting into the same feelings that they're into, that may not be useful. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, your video has cut off, but I don't know why. Uh, Can you turn your camera on and off and see if that improves something? It, It says that it's still recording. Yes. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Okay. Now I see it's a Skype problem. Never mind. I understand now. Uh huh. Okay. In other words, I can see your image in the little thing, but when I go to click on the big Skype window, it just shows a blank. So I can see that it's an issue of Skype, but I can still see you. And so I know that the light is on, that, uh, that it's still recording. Okay. So we'll just continue on. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, the the weight or the style that we begin to to go with is this thing that we would call a very noble way to make sure that we're making things really easy and smooth for the bureaucrats because their life is tough. Mm. And if you don't believe them, ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that way you can actually enjoy the day. Yeah. Yes. And you can win the solution and get the money also. Yes. But you have to deal with that point of contact when that unpleasant feeling or that uh, disliking comes up that we it has to come up wisely. So we have to have sati. Because if we don't have that wisdom, if we don't have the the wake up to watch what's going on, then when we feel bad, it will naturally continue along the old path, Mm. the old habits. Mm -hmm. And for you, you're going to strangle someone to the floor. No, no, I'm I'm very kind. kind. Okay, well, not you, but you can see how that would be possible if somebody would stay out of sleep. Yeah, in your head. Things a lot in my head through my life. I may not actually have done things, but it it happened in my head. So many things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, if you'll go back to that uh, sutta that you and Chetan did, did together about uh, right thought number 19 in the Majjhima Nikaya, mm-hmm. you remember that Abhihimsa, yeah. the thoughts of nonviolence, yeah, yeah, rather than the thoughts of violence. So, when we don't get what we want, we yes. will have thoughts of violence, mm-hmm. and the thoughts of violence is the only thing that will lead to violence. Thoughts mm-hmm. of nonviolence doesn't lead to violence, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought I was a very kind person nowadays, but I can see, I can see how this uh, 
happens still. Uh, I became very aware of it now. Uh, so, yeah, it's still there. <laughs> well, we all do that. There, <clears throat> everyone walks around with an anger button exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since if you make me feel bad like this, you punch that anger button and you will yeah. get anger out of Everybody is capable of that. You're not yeah. the only one. I, I, I've been thinking more of it as fear. I've been thinking it's about fear, but... Exactly but, so. Exactly mm -hmm. so. It's not really anger at all. It's in fact what covers the anger, or, or you could say it this way, the solution to the fear is to defend yourself against yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Allah yeah. fighting with it. Yeah. There we go. That's that's the whole show. Yeah. All right. So if we recognize the fear directly, then with wisdom we recognize that we don't have to defend ourselves yeah. because in fact it just the example we're using, the um employment officer really doesn't care about you at all. This is he's not giving you a hard time. He's just having a hard time with his work. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> and that you're really not there. So therefore, there's no reason for you to feel afraid because it's not you that he is being grumpy about. Mm -hmm. It's the work that you brought for him to do. Yeah. Yes. And we can't make a distinction sometimes. Mm -hmm. Even the officers themselves can't tell the difference between you and the work that you brought him to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Until you make that distinction yourself. And a way of doing this is I'm really sorry that I've given you all of this work to do. Mm. But yeah. it's really not mine. I mean, I'm only doing or giving you this work because it's required by the government and yes. then you're off the hook. But otherwise, he can't see that just mm. like we can't. When we go in there, we think the paperwork is me. Yeah. All right. That is where the whole idea of selfishness or self comes in that is so derogatory because mm. we can't tell the difference between mm. ourself, who we really are, and some object of our interest in the moment. Like mm. that would be some paperwork, mm. more than likely. Certainly at the visa office, that's the whole show is paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> About 20 pages of it. <laughs> so uh, the paperwork is not you. No. You are not the paperwork. If that's the case, now when you feel the fear, you can tell yourself, wait a minute, yeah. the, the, maybe the paperwork is in danger. Yeah. But I'm good to go. <laughs> it's not me that's, that's uh, in danger. Because you're not really ever in danger. I mean, really, nothing oh. really ever happens in an employment office. No. <laughs> not anything that's actually dangerous. And now it's in distance too. It's uh, we don't we don't actually have to go there. I sit behind the computer and do it, or the phone, or something. So it's not <laughs> even physically dangerous. At all. Wow, technology. <laughs> the last time I was in an employment office, it was a really place. It was a real place and it was yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but not now with Corona and everything. One doesn't even have to go there. <clears throat> and and if everyone is wise, you may people may not ever have to go there again. Mm. They didn't need that building now that the internet let everybody continue doing it on the internet. Yes. Yeah. But in fact, while Bank of America is raking in huge, huge prophecy, profits, mm. they're closing down their offices. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because they don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. They're under. They're de-staffing. And mm-hmm. now we've got this huge building. Why don't we give the lease back to the owner of this building that we told him we'd keep it for 30 years? But sorry, guy, <laughs> I'm yes. only going to keep it to five. I've had it and yes. I'm out of here. And they're doing that all over. Mm. Why? Because online banking. And so if we can own my if we can online banking, we could online voting. We could online um, uh, employment office. Yeah. We could online anything that the government has to do. If the government would automate the way that the businesses are being forced to automate because they can make more money at it to where the government is not uh, forced to automate because the individual workers don't have any incentive to do the automation. They've been doing it the same way they've been doing it over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that that automation uh, really, really helps it at that level that way. When you start to get uh, afraid or unhappy, you can just close the lid of the computer and take a walk. (laughs) (laughs) And and be mindful and say, wow, what a beautiful day. I think I'm happy enough that I can go open that computer again and finish that document I've got to do for the employment office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it froze my... The, the screen froze. I didn't hear you. What the last thing you said. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last is sentence. It, is, it, is it frozen now? No, no, not now. The last sentence you, you said. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just making a joke. Never mind. Okay. I don't get them anywhere. Anyway, always. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you get jokes better than most people. <laughs> See, you just got that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Um, you had other questions that you wanted to talk about. I think that we've gotten the uh, uh, trip to the employment office nailed, really, by Patita Samupada. Yeah, now I feel even happy about it. I got out of it, so it it really helped. Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. Right. If we can figure out how we feel before we use that feeling in the old style with wisdom, mm-hmm. we can decide, hey, I don't have to feel that way. Yes. I do not have to be angry. Yes. In fact, I'm really happy that I saw that that feeling of not liking. Yeah. Yeah. And so my feeling is I like that I saw the, the not liking feeling. Yes. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And so it. It's, uh, it's actually an easy thing. The hard part is to wake up, the sake. Yeah. yeah. To be awake, to be aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Sometimes I feel there is something disturbing me, but I cannot figure out what it, I, I don't really know what it is, what to do with it, how to, you know, I get stuck in, in there. Uh, it's uh, when I realize, like when you say those things, when I realize that then it, it becomes some kind of aha moment and then things falls into place. So uh, it's kind of, otherwise my mind starts spinning around it and I don't really know what to do with it. All right. Well, let me keep you in on this one that I've just recently seen uh, a, a, a translation, a new translation that I hadn't seen before of a polyphrase that I knew. And he translated it as um, inspiring, like hearing the Dhamma and it is inspiring. Or uh, noting uh, that negative thought or ne negative feeling, the not liking that comes up. And then we recognize, oh, I can see that. Isn't that marvelous? That's inspiring. And that inspiration is what then brings up that good feeling. Yes. It's like, aha, I caught you, yes. is that moment of, of inspiration. Or they can also um, refer to that as the Vipassana itself or the insight. Yeah. In the sense mm -hmm. that it strikes us. Aha, I see you. Yeah. Yes. And so that inspiration is a, is a good word uh, to use for this event. Because if we have inspiration... Then we have the feeling of satisfaction. Now I've got it. Yes. Now I understand. And now I know what's going on. Yeah. Okay. And so that also eradicates doubt. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, then I can just leave it. I don't have to so, bother with it anymore. Yeah. Well, that's it. Actually, what you're saying is, now that I have swept the floor of the mind, I don't have to sweep anymore. Yeah, but well, it comes back. I know. <laughs> I know that. Well, but for the moment, not, not can... for a while. Not for a while. Yeah. Not until the next time I have exactly. a form to fill out at the employment office, and exactly. then we got to sweep it out. <laughs> Perhaps it comes in a little more, not too hard, not not as hard as it came the first time. It it might lessen a little, uh, hopefully. It does. You're <clears throat> absolutely right. It gets easier. Yeah. Because your mind is getting stronger. Mm -hmm. You're developing skills. Uh -huh. And so now you're dealing with it with skills that you didn't have before. The first mm -hmm. time that you saw it, you got to look all over the place. Now that you know where it is, you can just go right after it. Yes. And so the, the skill of the second trial um, mm -hmm. is, is much better. Yeah. Okay. If we saw what was going on, and, and in fact, that's what education is all about, is learning from our mistakes. Yeah. Yes. If we make a mistake and don't learn anything, we start yeah. repeating that same mistake, and now it's a habit, and we begin to live our, our whole lives making that same mistake over and over again. Yes. Mm -hmm. But now now we're waking up with, with Anapanasati, and so when we make that mistake, we can say, wait a minute, <laughs> let me look at that. Yes. <laughs> Let's check that out. Let's see what's going on. Here's a bad feeling. Why does it have to wind up in anger? Yes. 
Yeah. And then we recognize it doesn't have to. No. That we can, in fact, change very, very deep patterns of the mind. Yeah. Because we're sharp enough to catch the stuff really early before it's gotten out of hand. Yeah. Or out of the mouth, at least. Yes. Yeah, it usually doesn't come out of my mouth too much. <laughs> I keep silent, at least. So that... <laughs> So, uh, all right. So, so now we've gotten that far. That that's a level of sati that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't recognize they're yelling until somebody tells them they're yelling. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then maybe not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now what we have to do is to catch the yelling on the inside. Yeah, yeah. And when and when do we catch that? As soon as we see it, as soon as we recognize it, mm. we can say, as if it were a, a pet, down boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's harder for me to do. It's, uh, yeah. Well, I... that's right effort. That right effort, if we wake up enough to have the effort to say, down boy. Yeah. And we can also use it to take a deep breath. That helps a lot. Yeah. Take a deep breath and literally back away. Yeah. With that thought, aha, uh -huh, I am not that, or aha, uh -huh, I see you, or aha, uh -huh, I am uh, disassociating yeah. from that. Yes, <clears throat> so this is, uh, uh, does this have anything to do with the precepts or uh, making a yes. behavior pattern out of things or? Yes, exactly. It does 100 percent. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here is the way that it does it. If you go into the situation, and we'll just keep using the example of going into the employment office, and you are afraid and, and uptight and um, on edge or whatever, then we're much more likely to engage in false speech. Mm -hmm. However, if we're, we're cool, relaxed, mm -hmm. uh, focused, uh, sharp, know how we feel, etc., like that, then with the mind unified in that way, we would naturally, just naturally because of the state of our mind in, not engage in abusive uh, speech or tell lies. I mean, that's one of the things that they're, that's their business is to catch people telling lies. Uh-huh, yeah. Yes. Okay, but if you're completely honest with them, then yeah. that, that makes their job a whole lot easier or tough, depending upon the way you look at it, if they're really intent on finding that lie. <laughs> okay, yeah. but make sure that you don't, because you've got nothing to hide. Yeah. Why? Because you've got nothing to fear. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. see how that happens? Okay, yes. that when people are afraid, they, they want to hide, and when they want to hide, they're not sure of the answer to the question. And mm -hmm. so they'll say something a little wrong, and then now they're in danger of getting caught, and they know it. And so now they're feeling even worse 
Uh-huh, yeah. And when the mind is sharp and focused, we can fill the forms out with dignity and not worry. Yeah. I mean, literally not worrying while we're filling them out, because, in fact, that's... I learned that, by the way, many, many years ago, in the sense of, in America, everybody uh, generally, when they're working, has to fill out a tax return, which is the years, uh, and everybody wants to cheat. Yeah. <laughs> so the, and so the question is, where can I find a way of cheating, and what can I say? And then after we mail it, now we're feeling bad, thinking the IRS is coming for us. Mm-hmm, yeah. And in fact, a much better thing is, and people are beginning to figure that out, is to go to a service, give them the paper, let them do it correctly, and let them find the loopholes and the lies and all of that kind of stuff, and let it be their problem. Uh -huh. Okay, It's not my return anymore. Yeah. It belongs to the accountants now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So in that regard, we can um, find ways of giving ourselves misery, tell lies, and do all kinds of wrong things because of our greed and our anger and our desire and our ill will, yeah. coupled with ignorance. Yeah. But when we get wise to that stuff and come out of it, now we can get paperwork done joyfully mm -hmm. and handle situations easily. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I kind of know it in a way, but it, it became so it's obvious It's actually now. in the sutta. It's actually in the suttas. Mm -hmm. And and the way that it talks about the suttas is um, this is by the way a really under, good understanding that um, that the Buddha looked at the Eightfold Noble Path differently than the way that it's listed in the literature, because the literature has divided it out into sila samati panya. Mm -hmm. Well, Sila Samati Panya can then be arranged so that it's Panya Sila Samati, which is exactly the way that it's presented for most places. But in practice, it's not that way. We take that division out because we need some of the items of wisdom and some of the items of, of Samati and we'll make them work together so that we can get a new kind of Samati that, in fact, uh, so, um, right effort and right mindfulness or sati really should not be part of uh, uh, the, the samati part. They should be part of the wisdom part because uh -huh. those four items work together. And the Buddha talks about it right there in that sutta, bringing about the, or, the, the mind that is unified. These four items of right view, right sati, right uh, effort, run and circle around each other to create and manufacture and promote and allow the skill of right attitude to be developed. Yeah. Once we have those four things, now the mind can be fit, unified, happy, okay? Now that the mind is unified, naturally our behavior is going to be pure enough 
that we don't tell deliberate lies because we don't need to tell any deliberate lies. I'm good as I am now. I don't have to fix myself by telling a lie. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, generally, <laughs> yeah. doubt that yeah. our that we have a, a a lot of a lot of doubt that must be bad, and so we do a lot of judging. Mm-hmm. But when the mind, why? Because doubt arises from the feeling of confusion, and we generally don't like it. Yeah. But when the mind is pure and clear, we can see the thought uh, or the feelings of confusion arise, and we can turn that then into investigation or um, uh, curiosity, I guess, is the better way of mm-hmm. saying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Confusion turns into curiosity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With wisdom and joy. All right. So now that we know that we actually can begin to control these feelings. Yeah. And that we have them under control so that the mind is, in fact, in a unified state. Why is it unified? Because it's free from all the distractions. Yeah. What are distracting thoughts or feelings would be fear, anger, uh, worry, frustration, anxiety, all of that kind of stuff. But we're free from that, so that means that now the mind is unified, it's whole, and we can refrain from, for instance, if we're in this position of being comfortable and happy, and we don't need any money, then the likelihood that we're not going to go in to anyone's wallet and take any money out of it. Mm-hmm. We just wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm already okay. I don't need that. Mm. But when people are actually in need of the money and they want the money, that's when they will go and do things that they know is wrong. Yeah. Because they need it. Mm. But if you don't need anything, yeah. <laughs> then your behavior is pure. <laughs> Yeah, I have one question about <clears throat> alcohol and drinking around this. Can you say something about that? Where, where does that come in, in, in this whole thing? All right, I can say quite a lot about it. And mm-hmm. I don't, I just, just to dance around the issue. Um, that because money is one thing, one needs money, one needs some certain things to a certain level, but alcohol one doesn't really need. Precisely. So when the drunk, or let us say not the drunk, but the recovering alcoholic who is in AA after a while and he's been dry, mm-hmm. he will still have language like, I need a drink. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need a drink. But he needs something, and he's not sure of what it is, but his whole habit pattern of life has been going after a drink Mm -hmm. in order to feel good, or at least get rid of the feelings that we have when we don't have a drink. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that really needs to be addressed for the alcoholic, is how can you get the benefits of alcohol without alcohol? What Mm -hmm. are the actual benefits of it? Because many people, in fact, can be... Um, let us say uh, they can work diligently and free themselves of one addiction only to go to another addiction and become addicted to something else Mm -hmm. without wisely figuring out what is it that's worth addicting to because some things are really worth addicting to Mm 
Mm-hmm. Laughter, joy, <laughs> being in this present moment, the Eightfold Noble Path, <laughs> and the Eightfold Noble Path and the Four Noble Truths can become addicted. In fact, that's kind of the point. When we become completely addicted to the Eightfold Noble Path and the joy that it brings, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Become become completely addicted to uh, the Buddha Dhamma. Mm -hmm. Become really enthusiastic about it. Because one thing about this addiction is is that it doesn't have any uh, unwholesome benefits. Yeah, right. Or 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 lack of benefit. Everything is beneficial. It doesn't have an unwholesome side to where alcohol has several unwholesome sides. Yeah. But but also that's one thing. But also this the food thing, overeating and celibacy and all those other things that are not uh, maybe unnecessary. One can live without sex. Most one, of the people, but not without mm, food. Yeah. <laughs> most of the Western people who go into Buddhism and they reach these topics, they are bringing a lot of Western baggage with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you just used words like celibacy. That's baggage. Mm-hmm. That word is baggage. It's all over in the where people write about uh, in the. Uh, what's it Buddhism called? Buddhism has and... nothing to do. Buddhism mm-hmm. has nothing to do with celibacy. Okay. Mm-hmm. The teachings of the Buddha has nothing to do with celibacy. What it has everything to do with is freedom. Mm-hmm. So would that be freedom <laughs> then? Well, the, 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 the problem with people who practice celibacy is they do it when they're not free. Uh-huh. And, it, and okay. celibacy is not a freedom for them. It winds up being a dark secret prison uh-huh. or worse. Okay. okay. Celibacy is something that actually has an authority from the outside. Yeah. Okay. In yeah. the sense of um, uh, the, the church uh, is it's a requirement or a, a, a vow of celibacy, but a vow is something that you're telling other people. But, but isn't that something when you become a monk or a nun? Isn't that uh, something you have to do, to not do? Well, the, uh, all right, in the sense that the precepts change Mm -hmm. from the five precepts to the eight and ten precepts, it changes this way. In the five precepts, it's kame su mi ramani sakabadam samati ami. And what this means is, is to not uh, interfere with other people. Kame su mi chachara, which is a, um, uh, 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 is, is stated as sexual misconduct. But whoever did that translation was obviously Western. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. That it changes, though, uh, from um, 
the concept or the idea of uh, uh, not disturbing other people. So if if he sees her and she's already attached, and there's many ways for her to be attached, it's very rarely for a woman to be completely unattached. Let me tell you some of the ways that she could be attached. She could be attached to her family. She's too young or too old. She's attached to uh, or betrothed to a husband or married to him. She can also be in an organization like she's in uh, a nun in the Catholic Church. So she's taken vows to do that. Or um, it could be because of some employment. But there is uh, reasons where people are not available. And so if you go to that person wanting something from them that they cannot give you because of their circumstances, you're causing yourself and the other person grief. Mm-hmm. Is that now, the same? Go ahead. Is that the same with men, women, and men, women, nuns? Right. From Except from the... that men will lie to you and tell you they're unattached. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Women are more honest about that. The nurses will say, "I'm a nurse. Leave me alone." Okay. okay. Uh huh. <clears throat> Um, so now let's look at it in the sense of how that precept changes into the eight precepts. And here the word is stated this way, abramacharya vairamani sakabadam samatiyami. Now, abramacharya basically means that we're going to be living like the Brahmins or very, very high class or... Uh, at the at the top, which means that we're not encumbered. So this is the place of brahmacharya Ramani. Now some people will translate that, uh, depending upon the way that they translate Brahman, uh, is the home of the gods. Like for instance, uh, the Brahma Viharas is the home translated often as the home of the gods. Okay, so you could say then that the uh, um, Brahmacharya, actually the word Acharya has the quality of a teacher. So this would be like living according to the teachings of the gods, very high, which has again mostly the quality of freedom. Mm -hmm. All right, now what are we free from? Well, the first thing that we're free from is a wife. Okay, and when I say free from the wife, I can also say free from the girlfriend in the sense of free from wanting things from her on a consistent, regular basis. And I can become free from that. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean free from the desire. Because the desire is actually nothing but a good feeling that's followed by, I want it, but I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And I want it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which gives rise to a story. And the story is one of my favorites. I love this one. And it's because it's between Achan Sumedho and um, Achan Cha, his teacher. 
and that the story is is that they're in um, a ceremony, the Katen ceremony, where the young women are all dolled up as best they can. And I won't go into the details of the Katen. We'll do that later. But uh, Achan Cha nudged uh, Achan, or he was actually just Sumedho at that time. He wasn't quite an Achan yet, I think. And he asked Sumedho, what do you think? And he's, you know, pointing out all of this. And Samato Johnny on the spot with Petita Samupada says, ah, I like it, but I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is actually the best expression of Petita Samupada that I know of. Mm-hmm. And just that many lines. I like it, but I don't want it. Mm-hmm. So that's not objectification then. Pardon? That is not objectification. No, no, no. the ju- objectification would be they're bad. Okay. The objectification would be these girls are all dolled up because they're sinister and dangerous. Uh-huh, okay. Okay, and it actually denies the actual feelings of the monk. I actually do like what I see. Or, or the wanting might be objectification, right? But not the liking. Or Well, the liking is the actual of the feeling and the acknowledgement of the feeling. Because uh-huh. a lot of people have the idea that I'm not supposed to like it. That's sensual desire. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. Uh, bad, no, I... bad, bad me. Bad thoughts. I should uh-huh. not be thinking about that. Okay. Uh, now okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, we have to recognize these thoughts with wisdom, and the wisdom is to know the thought. I like it. Mm-hmm. Now that we recognize that I like it, now we can actually go a little into recognizing what is it that we like, and then we can say, "Well, never mind. I like it, but I don't want it." Mm-hmm. It's like going into the grocery store and picking up something that's bright and shiny or got a beautiful label or something, and then when we read the package, we can set it back. I don't want it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked it. I picked it up, and I looked at it, and now I don't want it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. with, with the actual practice of Paticca Samupada, that winds up being not an issue of celibacy, and celibacy is all about denying something that's natural. Mm-hmm. Here we're not denying anything that's natural, we're looking directly into it, examining it correctly, and figuring out that that which I want may not be beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. Is it the same with the dislike? Is that the same as the liking? Exactly so. Now we don't like, okay, so we like the girl at the what? Now we're back to, uh, I don't like it. Now we're back into the employment office again. Yeah, exactly. It's the same principle, right? It's exactly the same thing. All three feelings. Mm -hmm. All is the same principle. That's why uh, when I asked Bhikkhu Buddha Das about it, it says, oh, that means there's six feelings. Unwise liking and wise liking, unwise uh, not liking, and no, he said no. Okay. He says no, it's not the three of them uh, with a switch in between so that it winds up doubling it. It's only adding a new ingredient, and that's the fourth kind of liking. 
or the fourth kind of feeling, which is wisdom. Oh. The wisdom feeling is the one that become, that knows what to do based upon the feeling of liking. Mm. And mm. if there is no wisdom, then it's going to go off in the wrong direction due to habit. Mm. Okay. But mm. when we bring wisdom in, so now we can say there's actually four kinds of feelings. There is a wise feeling and three kinds of unwise feelings. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. But that greatly works with the idea of, uh, so let's go back to the precepts. Mm. The pre precepts that are there actually uh, come you can you can see it this way in many places, but this one sutta that I'm referencing is where it is again, where we have right speech, right behavior or right uh, action, and right livelihood. Now, right livelihood is a natural outcome of uh, right action and right speech, so that we wouldn't be engaged in selling of arms or liquor or any of those kind of things, because we know that that uh, dealing with that is harmful. But also in our dealings, we're not going to be doing things like um, promoting or doing a bait and switch, say it's this and then give them that, which is common in business. OK, so we don't if we're going to be in business, it's got to be highly honorable business, not normal business of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. All right. But now let's go back and look at the fact that in right speech, that is one item of the precepts, which is Musawada Ray Ramani, and all of the kinds of wrong, uh, speech are in the sutta, are not put into uh, the precepts, but uh, three of the actions are. And so let's look at the, uh, the right speech. In the sutta, they talk about several different kinds of, of speech to be abstained from. And that would be one telling lies, directly to being deceitful. Another one would be using harsh language. And another one would be using malicious gossip. Mm. All right. Now, if we look at it like that, malicious gossip is almost always... Uh, the kind of gossip that A is telling B a story about Mr. C in order for Mr. B to have a lower opinion of Mr. C than he would ordinarily have. I can see how I easily fall into that when I get uh, um, angry or, you know, at someone, the employment office or some person or something. Then I start doing that. That that's a big one for me. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So in in the case here, an example would be that whenever I'm talking to a student about another teacher, I have to be very careful of my speech, mm -hmm. or I'll fall right into gossip. Boy, I know everything wrong with that guy. You ought to hear what I know about yes. him and his technique. Ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And so, but with the mind clear, I can always say that, wait a minute, he's a Dhamma teacher, he knows the Dhamma, there may be some differences, but let's go and do an examination and look at it from that direction, and we'll probably come around to an agreement. Mm 
Uh-huh, yeah. And therefore, I do not have to trash another teacher in front mm -hmm. of me, uh, uh, the student. Yeah. And not and the uh, em employment ahead. office either. One doesn't have to do it with them either, right? Exactly. <laughs> so we don't have to say, well, my friend got a good thing. Why didn't you do that with her? Or you go mm -hmm. home and say, boy, that, uh, that uh, employment group, wow, they're terrible. Yeah. You know, be careful when you go over there. They're a bunch of maniacs. <laughs> All right. So, th so it's storytelling mm -hmm. is basically what we're meaning by gossip. Uh -huh. However, we can talk in gossip in a compassionate way that's not malicious so that we can think about, hmm, how can we help Susie to come out of her bad feelings? Mm -hmm. And now it's wholesome. Yeah. But it's still gossip. Yeah. <laughs> so gossip there is wholesome gossip. <laughs> Any time that we talk about a third person, we can assume that that's gossip. Uh huh. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we have to make sure that it's wholesome rather than malicious gossip, because yeah. that's not. It's got nothing to do with breaking the precepts. It's got to do with breaking one's mind. Yes. <laughs> yes. So got to have a it's broken painful. mind. It's really huh? painful to do it. <laughs> it, it. It's really, really painful to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what they did was they, they took what the Buddha was teaching out of the context of this is the result of one who has a unified mind, one who has the samadhi, one who has the unification. And they put it out as a list of rules for children. Mm. Saying, aha, uh -huh, you're going to be a Buddhist. You've got to do this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's confusing. It, it really is confusing to read about it in, in the wrong way. I've been thinking a, a lot about those things. Why do they write like this? What, what is what? And so on. So it's difficult well, to know. <clears throat> In the old literature, we can find uh, these um, rituals had already become ritualized by maybe the second century BC. Mm. And so the literature is there. And there is a ceremony that is done every Buddha day, which is now, uh, let us say in the US, they do it on Sundays because the Asians have taken over the seven day calendar okay. as opposed to the quarter moon. Because mm -hmm. that one rotates. Some mm -hmm. days you have eight days and sometimes you have seven. Okay. Uh -huh. So, uh, uh, so on the Buddha day, uh, or, or one put is the way that they say it in Thai, uh, mm -hmm. they do this ceremony and everyone um, uh, is involved with it, but it's normally one of the monks who will do the recitation. And that the precepts are the second thing. The first thing is taking refuge. That's when they do Dhammam, Saranam, Gachami, or excuse me, Buddham, Saranam, Gachami, Dhammam, Saranam, Gachami, uh, Sangha, Saranam, Gachami. Always in dative, dative case. Buddham is not Buddha or Budo because that would be nominative case, but Buddham means I take refuge in the Buddha. So it's a, uh, a dative case or um, mm. ob objective case, you'd say in English. I've been in 
Greek, so I use their word for it, dative. <laughs> um, the, um, the precepts, along with the taking of the refuge, is a formalized way of saying, this is what it's like to be a real Buddhist. Okay. But they're not giving any indication about how to get that. No. Because most people can't keep the precepts. It's only when the mind gets really pure and purified and, and uh, fit for work that we, in fact, can keep the precepts. Mm. Which means now we're finally a, a, a Dhamma dude. Mm. Or do that. Mm. In other words, now we're really Buddhist. Mm-hmm. The, the label that is put on that is the Sotapan or the stream enterer. Mm-hmm. But uh, along the way or along the process of the Buddha comes that insight and inspiration that as it deepens becomes enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It becomes, in fact, our addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we become addicted to the, the Buddha Dhamma, that's when we ri- finally have arrived to taking full refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we've got a really wholesome place for our addiction. Mm-hmm. And in there is great delight. Mm-hmm. The delight of the drunk. Now, I know that sometimes the Sufis get drunk on God. Here, we're just drunk on the Dhamma. <laughs> yeah. And I can say drunk because it's, it's, it's that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm lost in it. That's it. I've got nothing but Dhamma left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's taking the refuge. And by having that mentality of being completely addicted to the Dhamma, Mm. that means that the mind's going to be sharp and organized, drunk at this level of mindfulness, Mm. so that we become addicted to being awake. Mm. And that's when we come to the state then of actually being able to keep the precepts, Mm. because we're not actually keeping them. In Mm. fact, we're not doing anything. (laughs) We're just sitting here being happy. (laughs) And that keeps the precepts. Yeah. Non-doing keeps the precepts because wow. all of them is is abstaining from, abstaining yeah. from killing and harming, abstaining from taking things that don't belong to us, abstaining from molesting the young girls who look beautiful, mm-hmm. abstaining from the young handsome man, <laughs> molesting him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, when, when we um, a- abstain from that, that means that we've got a better addiction. Yeah. <laughs> the addiction to the Dhamma mm. now is better than the old desires that come up from the hormones or from the instinct. Mm. So, like many, many people who say, oh, if you follow the rules, you'll get the results of following the rules. Mm-hmm. If you be a good little Christian and follow the rules, you'll get into heaven. Or for the priest, you've got to be celibate, mm-hmm. or we're going to throw you out, or at least 
you know, change your employment locations. (laughs) 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 So, so actually, this rule about when we think about celibacy, we're talking about a rule that people have to learn to keep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we think of the Dhamma, we think of it as the natural outcome mm-hmm. of a pure mind. Yeah. So the cause and effect is backwards, but also that's the way with the other precepts. Mm-hmm. Now, one last thing about that before we go, and that is the issue of alcohol. Alcohol is not mentioned in this sutta about right speech and right action and right livelihood. Mm -hmm. But there is something about it. In the Paddy Mork, which is actually the shorthand list of rules, in the Paddy Mork, it is listed as an item that needs to be confessed. Mm-hmm. And part of the confession also has to be is to give the half-empty bottle back. You can't keep it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> there are also some medications, even today, that the alcohol is medicinal. It's not drunk for uh, intoxication purposes. Mm-hmm. And yet there is some kinds of food that can actually be considered food that if you eat it, you'll become intoxicated. Mm, yeah. And I'm not talking about brownies. I'm actually talking about a brown rice that I know of that in Asia. That this, this actually goes back to the time of the Buddha. But if you leave rice to ferment completely mm-hmm. and then you cook it under pressure or under a lid, then uh-huh. what you get is something that when you taste it, you cannot taste anything but the alcohol. It is just raw alcohol. And if oh, you have two plates of it, you'll know it. You can't get up. <laughs> okay. Oh. And I have seen that served to monks at several watch. Uh-huh. And they always laugh when they take just a little of it and pass on home. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And I actually had someone grab my arm when I was taking out doing <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> but it was when I tasted it that I understood what he was talking about. Uh-huh. So anyway, alcohol in and of itself is not a big issue, but it is something to be confessed with the idea that I'm going to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm. But if someone is an alcoholic, in fact, they have various watches in Thailand that are designed around particular addictions. One of them has become quite famous because they have a cure for heroin, which is really mighty difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. And that watch has a regime, but there is also one or two watches for alcoholics here in Thailand. Naturally, the monks would want to deal with that kind of thing in a loving environment to help the guy out of his alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where in the West, people are really kind of on their own. Mm. Yeah. Even with organizations like AA, we can then the government can say, well, let AA do it. Mm -hmm. The government says, well, let the monks do it. And everybody says, yeah, that's a good thing. Okay, so 
there's a difference between, actually, there's several differences. One is using it for medicinal purposes. Another one is to eating it because it's part of a food preparation. Mm-hmm. And then there is the actual drinking of alcohol because we know it's alcohol and that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the full-blown addiction. So yeah. while we can see all of these little stages along the path and that is hopefully we can catch it early so that we, uh, we, we can take that craving for the alcohol into direct knowledge. Mm-hmm that I don't have to crave the alcohol, that I can get the benefits that I thought the alcohol were going to give me mm-hmm. directly. And yeah. that may not work 100% right now or this week, but it certainly starts a pattern so that over a course of a week or two or a month or so, I can actually decide in every case it's better to not drink right now. Yeah, I think so definitely so. so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> learn to enjoy being completely sober. Yeah. In fact, that's what the Dhamma is about, is being addicted to even higher sober than, uh, yeah. than most people, because most people go around half asleep anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, as, <laughs> as, as the point, though, uh, it's possibly a good, it's, it's well thought out that they did add that pr- fifth precept. But that precept itself is actually Sura Maria Macha Pamatidana Vairamani Sakabadam Samatiyami. So if we do that, the parse and look at the Pali, what we find is Sura is about the same thing as beer. Maria is about the same thing as wine. Uh, and Macha is hard liquor. And then Pamatadana is the abstaining because it leads to hindrances. Mm-hmm. You can actually see the dana at the end of the word. Yeah. It gives crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, so um, the way of then looking at this sutta is, is that that's put there for the general population because it's beneficial for them to know that heedlessness through alcohol leads to uh, dukkha, that mm. it naturally does. But what they really don't emphasize very well is, is that no, actually dukkha led to the use of alcohol. And so it got into a spiral or a cycle. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Now, in Eric Burns' uh, transactional analysis, they've done even a deeper analysis in the sense of what are the games that drunks play? In other words, what kind of transactions do they have while they're inebriated? Mm-hmm. One of the games they play is drunk and proud. Mm-hmm. That's where the barroom fights come from. People who would never get uh, into a fight. Mm-hmm. But because they say the inhibitions are lowered, mm-hmm. now we're ready to go. So what we're saying is, is that alcohol helps to both put us to sleep and to uncover the old system. So mm-hmm. it actually, uh, alcohol makes us more of an animal, mm-hmm. which means us we're, we're more likely to cause ourselves anguish and trouble. But why did we ever think that alcohol was going to be beneficial for us? Well, because we liked kind of the feeling in the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. A little bit of alcohol feels good. 
Mm-hmm. And then the mentality is, well, more alcohol must be feel better, but it doesn't. Yeah. And so they say, well, maybe I need a third to top it off so that I'll feel really good. And now we're getting actually drunk. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so the question with alcohol is, when can we stop? Mm. The answer for Alcoholics Anonymous will say, before the first drink. Mm. But in fact, with many cases, it would be after, okay, let the child have a little bit, a taste. Okay, you cannot eat the whole pie, but you mm-hmm. can have a spoonful. Mm-hmm. All right, just a drink, okay? You can have one, one beer, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And if we could put that kind of limit on it, then that's quite beneficial also to, to limit it. Um, so that it doesn't cause the harm that the excessive amounts of alcohol do, because that actually follows along very well with the vinia in the sense of alcohol can be used as a medicine or it can be used for food. And so a little bit of alcohol is there's no problem with it. It's when it becomes excessive, when we become addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that you're no longer addicted to alcohol, let's give you a new addiction. Something mm-hmm. that's wholesome, beneficial, something that you can really get into, get really drunk on. The Dhamma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is how those precepts work, all in general. The generality is, is that uh, we get it backwards. We mm-hmm. think that the precepts is going to bring about the unification of mind. Mm-hmm. No, the unification of mind is what brings about the precepts. Mm-hmm. Is it similar with food and those things? Uh, the same. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Oh, gosh, there's so much about food. Yeah. That you see, alcohol becomes more of an adult problem trying to deal with bad feelings, of child's feelings with an adult issue. Food. No, we get the full brunt of that one from the childhood on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here are two examples that I know of are very detrimental. Mm-hmm. One of them is you got to clean your plate. You yeah. got to eat what I gave you. Yeah. The other one is you can't have your dessert until you eat your vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's actually teaching things that don't need to be taught. Mm-hmm. One of the things that it teaches is the law of karma. If you do something good, like eat your vegetables, then you can have something bad, like chocolate cake. <laughs> Basically, no, that's backwards. Now that you've done the good of eating your uh, uh, broccoli, now you can have the reward of eating your broccoli by having the cake. Yeah. Because everybody knows if you ate the cake first, now you've got the uh, the leads on this uh, horse, and you can say, no, I don't want to eat the broccoli now. I've already had the cake like you. <laughs> and so that's the reason that they serve it like that to the kids, without giving the kids the freedom to experiment. Yeah. And so we wind up eating the vegetables, mm. not because it's food, not because we like it, in fact, we don't want to eat it because we don't like it. Yeah. So that means that we're doing what we were told to do. We're being bribed. Mm-hmm. 
I know in some countries bribery is against the law, but it depends upon who's doing it. <laughs> so there we are. We're being bribed. Do something you don't want to do. Mm. And how we're being bribed is by then you get something that you want. Yeah. Mm. A better thing to do would be to work with the child to get them to, to taste it, mm. to play a game with it. To say, I bet I could eat a, a one pea. Can you eat just one pea? Mm. Okay. And so we can make a game out of it to get the child to want to eat mm. a particular food that if we, as an adult, the question is, why does the adult want the child to eat that particular food that the child doesn't like anyway? <laughs> All right, so with food, we wind up with, with this as an issue when we grow up. Mm. And so we wind up cleaning our plate, yeah. and we wind up rewarding ourselves with yeah. cake yeah. when we yeah. don't have to. Now, mm. as an adult, we can see why the parents wanted us to eat vegetables, and so we'll eat them because we like them. Yeah. Mm. And now, because we like the vegetables, we can avoid eating the canes that we do like that we know are unwholesome for us yeah. so food is very much like thought we have to decide what's wholesome and what's not wholesome yeah. and we don't have to eat it all we can start watching start being mindful of both the belly and the taste but you see, sometimes people get into the habit of eating really fast. They're not really even tasting the food. They've just gotten into the habit, and so they wolf everything down. Mm. And so one of the things that we would do then mm. uh, would be to eat slowly. Mm. Put the utensils down between bites. Mm. And as we're swallowing... We can then watch, we can actually do the swallowing with the mind down to the belly and ask the belly, have you had enough yet? Because the belly will tell you when it's had enough, but most people are not listening to the belly at all. They're listening to the tongue. Mm. Yeah. And they're in the bad habit of stirring that food and getting it ready to shovel back in and they're not even paying attention to have they had enough or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when we bring mindfulness in and begin to recognize that these old habits that we have were done in childhood, we can begin to take a much better control over our own diet. Yeah. Now, I recognize that we've been into this for a while, so I'm actually giving you kind of a mini version. Of yeah, but that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. No, I, said, I think I really we never like talked question. about this. Not not the food, I think. No. So that's good. Well, I'm using I'm using a combination of things. Mm -hmm. I'm using suttas and I'm using um, my knowledge of uh, psychology and how kids are raised. Yeah. And putting those things together mm -hmm. so that we can begin to understand how all of that stuff got started so we can apply uh, the food um, uh, reflections. Mm 
apply the food reflections to mm. what we're eating right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so later we'll go over the food reflections themselves, but just to get you started, yeah. the way to watch is, have you had enough at the end of this bite? Is this yeah. enough? Yeah. And you may say, for right now, and you set the plate down and say, I'll eat it later. Mm-hmm. And then later you might come back and eat it, or you might not. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to interrupt your your uh, your meal like that. Take 10 minutes off if you, if you want. Become satisfied and full, and then you may say, well, I've already, I really did have enough, and I don't need any more. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to eat all the food that you fix. No. No. And then you can consciously start uh, fixing less food. Yeah. Because if you fix less food, then there'll be less food to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As they say, the diet begins in the grocery store. Yeah. If you don't buy it and take it home, you can't eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So at the grocery store, that's the time to be mindful of the food that we buy. Yeah. Let's buy wholesome food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's well, great. I've enjoyed, I really enjoy our conversation. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Thank See you, you so later, much. Maggie. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>